0: And I'm so excited uh, about today, especially um, gathering this way. I know it's interesting for all of us. So wherever you are, um, we're, we're excited about continuing this series. Last week, we started this series called Anxious for Nothing. And it seems like such a timely and appropriate thing for us to jump into. And so thank you for being a part of this. But let me just give you a few things um, that we can sort through as we're trying to figure out how do we engage? How do I create? Listen, as As watching this in your living room or in your dorm room, how do I create a sacred space here? Let me give you a few ideas with this, um, because I want you to figure out how do I engage deeper into this? Uh, And so one of the things that, you know, in our family, we have special times in the weekend, so we actually light a candle and we say, hey, when this candle is lit, it stands for these things. And so we try to create a special moment. Not to mention, my kids get to play with fire and they're always down for that. And so if your house is a safe place to play with fire, then jump in and do something like that. But find little things to create a special moment here. Another thing that would be kind of cool is you could dress up in your house. Some of you come on a weekend and you're like, man, we don't dress up around here. We don't do this enough. You know, I've got these pretty sweet suits. Um, This is your chance. You can show up for live stream and you can be wearing a suit decked out, ready for worship in your home space in your home. Um, I think that would be awesome. And if you do that, please take a picture and post it because we want to see it. Um, Another thing is the different people you're watching with give each other responsibility. You know, as every week we're going to take communion together. So maybe switch. Hey, this time you're passing out communion or you're going to pray for us before we start the service or, you know, just pass out different responsibilities. But the point is find ways to engage deeper because even this past week, we did our college discipleship group over Zoom. And, you know, many of us are trying to figure out, all right, how do we do life in relationship connected to one another, but virtually? And so we were doing this on Zoom, and it was so encouraging to see our college group um, on, you know, we could see everybody, but they were still engaging. They had their Bible. They had their journal. We're all taking notes. We're all discussing kind of what we're seeing from the text. And so the point is, you can create a sacred space, and you can find a way to engage deeper In this, even though it's different than what it's looked like over the last several weeks, so uh, keep keep jumping into this. In fact, we're going to end um, today with some questions that you could even talk to the group about um, and to figure out how to keep going with that. But as we jump into the message, let me say this: everything is not okay right? Do you hear me? Everything is not okay. It seems like there's, well, it doesn't seem like there is a global virus sweeping through our world. Like every day the city and government officials are presenting uh, increased guidelines and guardrails and restrictions to help us manage the spread of this virus, which causes every one of us to try to rethink, how do I do life today with these kind of restrictions now? You know, many of us We're forced to consider making some pretty significant decisions. I know so many of you are business owners in in town here, and you're going, I'm now having to ask the questions. I'm now having to deal with the things that I hoped I would never have to deal with. And, And you're kind of walking through this complexity right now, trying to figure out what to do. And I mean, how many of us were planning on becoming homeschool parents overnight, right? Right now, all the homeschool parents are looking like geniuses, while the rest of us going like, I can't remember the last time that I had to do long division or any of this stuff. And so we're all in this place going like, it feels like everything is not okay. But here's the reality. Everything is going to be okay. It might feel like everything is not okay right now, but if you are a follower of Jesus and putting your life and your trust in him means something eternally significant for you, if that means something to you, then listen, everything is going to be okay. Listen, we knew storms were coming, Scripture taught us this. Scripture prepared us for storms. It said, when these storms come, build your life on the rock. Build your life on Jesus. So we've been practicing for the storms. We've been trying to live every day, build every day of our life on Jesus Christ, our unshakable rock, our foundation, our hope. Listen, Lindsay, my wife, was just reminding me of a story where Peter, uh, he, he's you know, leading the disciples, or one of the leaders of the disciples, and they're in the boat. It's, the storm came. It's crazy. Jesus walks on water in the storm towards the boat. Okay? So if you don't know this story, you need to go back and sit in it and read it and just be there for a while because it's an amazing story. But in short, here's a few things that happen. Peter, he goes, sees Jesus, and he says, Jesus, if it's you, call me out on the waves. Invite me to walk on water like you're walking on water, which is not the way I would have done that, by the way. I would have said, Jesus, if it's you, you're allowed to get in the boat. If it's not, you're not allowed to get in the boat. Peter says, if it's you, invite me on the waves. And so Jesus invites him to come out. And so Peter takes a few courageous, faith-filled steps on the water because Jesus was walking on the water and he invited him in. But do you know what happened next? Do you remember? Jesus, his focus was on Christ, but all of a sudden the storm stole his attention All of a sudden, he began to focus on the things that were going wrong. He became to focus on the things that were distracting him, the storm and the chaos around him. And as soon as he lost sight of Jesus, that's when he began to sink. But here's the good news. If you're close to Jesus, he rescues you. Because what happens next is Jesus gets in the boat and everything's fine anyway, right? Right? But here's the reality. Peter took those steps, but as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, he lost sight of it. I feel like we need to understand. We're in a storm. You are in a storm. And, and the, the one thing that we need to make sure of in this time is that we don't lose sight of what's important. You know, I, in our family, I've got four kids. And when we're at home, that's like our safe space. And so it's like, kids, listen, go run, go play. Listen, go, go do anything you want to do. Just, you know, go play games upstairs. You know, if someone's crying, certainly if somebody's bleeding. Yeah, come on, let's, you know, we'll deal with that. But a lot of freedom, a lot of go have fun but when we're in certain context we lock it down real time for instance when you're in a crowd and chaotic space where there's hundreds of people it's easy to get lost it's easy to get distracted at some point we look at our kids in the face and we say you have one job you have one job stay close to me we look at every one of our kids and say "Your one job Stay close to me. I feel like that's the same thing we all need to hear, right? We're in a storm. Things are way different. Things are chaotic. So here's our one job. You ready? Stay close to Jesus. Don't lose sight of him. Keep your eyes on him. Keep finding ways to follow him even better, even in the midst of this chaos that we find ourselves. Because even though it feels like everything's not okay, because of Jesus, everything is going to be okay. This is kind of the message that Paul was talking to the church in Philippi about. You know, he writes this whole letter of Philippians and by chapter four, we're, we're at the end of this letter. It's kind of like a crescendo towards this whole, like in spite of what life throws at you, you can still live a different way if you keep your eye on Christ. And so Paul's writing there and we might even be tempted to say, like Paul doesn't get it. Like we're in a global pandemic right now. We're, we're, we're uncertain about what tomorrow holds. I don't think Paul understands, but here's the reality. Paul, you remember from last week or any kind of study of this, Paul's writing this letter to the church in Philippi from a prison cell. Okay, He's looking at the same four walls every day. His dreams about what life could be are you know, held captive by this prison cell. And yet his response throughout the letter is continue rejoicing, find ways to rejoice. And he's speaking to a church where the culture is continuing to grow more um, toxic and more antagonistic towards Christians because persecution is beginning to really take hold of this city, especially for those who are Christ followers. And Paul looks at them, a people who are going like, is this going to be okay? And he says, rejoice. That's who he's writing to. They're in the same storm, same kind of storm that we are. And so we're in this passage, Philippians 4, starting in with verse 4 through 9. And here's what's amazing about this. So many of you are memorizing this passage. This is one of those passages that are just, you know, crucial because here's how the word works. When life presses on you, when life squeezes you, whatever's on the inside comes out okay so if fear and anxiety is what's within you when life presses fear and anxiety come out but when you memorize passages like this when you take God's word to heart all of a sudden when storms come life is pressed the things that come out of you look a whole lot more like Jesus So that's why I think memorizing scripture is such an awesome thing for us to do. It's a huge practice, but it's super important, especially with this passage as well. So I'm going to read the verses we talked about last week. Then we're going to jump into the passages that we have for this week. Philippians chapter four, we're in verse four. Here's what it says. Rejoice in the Lord. Always from a prison cell, yes. From a culture and climate of persecution, yes. In a global pandemic in our world, yes. Rejoice in the Lord always because he really wanted to get him wanted them to get it. He says, I will say it again, rejoice, let your reasonableness or your gentleness, depending on your translation, be known to everyone. What he's saying is how you live, especially in these days really matters. It says a lot about the God that you follow. It says a lot about how God, how Jesus responds to crisis. People are looking at your life. If you were a believer, people are looking at your life going, are you really different? How are you going to handle this storm? That's why Paul says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Okay, if this phrase wasn't a part of this passage, none of this would make sense. It would be impossible to to fake joy in our life if God was not near. The Lord being at hand, the Lord being near, changes everything for us. Just like Peter in the boat. Because Jesus was near, rescue was possible. Because Jesus was near, the storm was going to go quiet. It was only because of Christ and his presence that it was possible and so for every believer, listen, we can rejoice. Our life can stand out like a light because Jesus is near. But then it gets real, real fast. Look at what happens in verse six. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Let me read that again because it might, you might try to figure out, okay, maybe he's saying what he's not saying, but listen to what he says. This is what the word says. Do not be anxious about, about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God what is he saying what should you be anxious about nothing don't be anxious about anything anxious for nothing what should you pray about instead everything What he's saying is take your anxiety, take all of life itself and turn it into a prayer. This is how we live joyfully, if that's what we're aiming for. This is how our life means something in this climate, which is what our mission is right now. And it says, don't be anxious about anything, pray about everything. Because listen, every one of us has to figure out what are we gonna do about our anxiety? Because this isn't just a today thing. Okay. It's not just a for these couple of weeks while we're trying to figure out what life looks like kind of thing. This is a every people, every time, every generation, every place, every single person, you and I have to figure out what do we do with our anxiety? Because here's the danger of it. I want you to lock in real quick. The danger of holding on to anxiety, if this rock represents anxiety, the danger of me holding on to this is that it does something to me. So Paul is saying, take this and don't let anxiety be this thing that binds you, but let it turn this into a prayer. But if we hold on to this and we say, man, how are we going to deal with this? All of a sudden, when we hold on to anxiety, we tend to turn our focus not from looking at other people, not from looking to Jesus himself, but looking within. All of a sudden, when you hold on to anxiety, it turns yourself self-focused. You start asking questions like, how am I going to solve this? What am I supposed to do with this? Questions like, how am I going to teach my kids long division, right? (laughs) You know, those of you who know how to do that, come over and help me. Um, But what am I going to do? What's going to happen with my business? What's going to happen with my family? We start asking all these questions. How am I? We turn very self-focused. And the danger of it is if we turn self-focused long enough, it isolates us because we begin to believe that I have to carry this by myself. We begin isolating ourselves because we think I'm the only one who has to deal with this. I'm the only one who has to figure out what to do with my anxiety. So the question again is this, how do we deal with our anxiety, especially in this climate today? So here's the first thing where the passage says, the passage teaches us prayer is the path to peace. Do you hear that? Prayer is not like okay definitely pray about it but now what do I actually do? He's saying listen, ready? Prayer is the path to peace. Here's what this looks like in my mind, okay? I got a little help here from my son. Um, if this is the thing that drives you crazy, if this is your anxiety, if this is the thing that you kind of wake up in the middle of the night and you're just like, how are we gonna solve this? Here's what it feels like, right? We've got this thing on us and we feel held captive by it, right? We feel pinned down. We feel like we can't figure this out. It's too heavy for us. We don't know where we're gonna go with this. We don't know how to solve this. And what Paul is saying, is, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, bring your request, your prayers to God. Again, this is my, this is my salt block. This is, stands for Jesus. Okay. So, Cause he's, he is the true salt of the world and he is the rock and foundation for our life. So I think it makes a little bit of sense, but here's the deal. When, when our anxiety rests on our lap, we're sitting here going like, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how we're going to make this happen. I don't see a way out of this. But as soon as we turn our anxiety into a prayer, all of a sudden Jesus can carry a weight that we can't handle. And look, it's still right here. We still have to talk to him about it, but he's the one who carries the weight and we live in the freedom of that. And the whole point is that prayer is the path. Listen, it is the path To peace. Everything that comes up in your life, you turn into a conversation with the creator of the universe. Think about that. You could take every problem and say, God, help me with this. Every anxious thought, you can come to him and say, God, what should I do about this? What should I do about my business? I've got employees that I don't know how to help them through this situation. On one hand, I'm going, I want my business to last. And at the same time, I'm going, how do I take care of my employees? That's a heavy weight that if you carry that by yourself, it's going to be overwhelming. But as soon as you present that to God, As soon as you say, God, help me see what I can't see. You turn your anxiety into a prayer. All of a sudden you begin to see things in a different way. You've invited the creator of the universe to give you his thoughts. And remember, his thoughts are way better and way higher than our thoughts. It would be incredible for us to be thinking his thoughts in this time. And so present your things, every anxious thought, every joy-filled moment, every internal argument and dialogue that you've got going on. You know, many of you, if you're like me, you're always, not always, but much of the time, if you catch yourself in the car, you're going, you're having this imaginary conversation with somebody, or you're having an imaginary conversation with yourself going like, why would you do that? Why do you think those things? Why would you? And all of a sudden, these voices within are too much. And, And so present these things to God let him pull up a seat to that conversation and actually speak life and speak from the perspective of the kingdom of heaven instead of the perspective of fear and anxiety every surprising emotion every circumstance whatever it is turn your anxieties into prayers talk to God listen talk to God about everything talk to him about everything You already talked to yourself about everything. So talk to him. There's a passage in scripture that says, you know, pray without ceasing. And for the longest time, I was like, how in the world is that possible? But for for many of us, if we were to take every anxious thought and turn it into a prayer, it would actually feel like we're praying without ceasing. Because for many of us, we carry this every day, almost carry it moment to moment. And we talk to God about everything. Why do we do this? Because prayer is us saying to God, I love you enough to trust you with this. Prayer is saying, ready? I love you enough. God, I love you enough to trust you with this. This is how every relationship works, right? We don't don't share everything with every single person. That would be inappropriate, right? but there, there are certain relationships that love has created a strong and safe enough context that we trust them with the heavy things. So that's what it is in our relationship with God. When we're praying, it's us saying, God, I love you enough. Our relationship is strong enough to trust you with everything. And this idea of trusting him, truly trusting him, it reminds me of this story that I heard because I was struggling with this. And I had some buddies of mine remind me of this story. It's, it's a story of the brilliant ethicist, John Cavanaugh. He went and spent three months with Mother Teresa at the House of the Dying because he wanted to, one, see her ministry, but he had a question on his mind and heart that he was like, if I could just spend a little bit of time, maybe the Lord would give me some answers that I'm looking for. And so on the first morning that he was there, he actually got to have a conversation with Mother Teresa. And she simply asked, what can I do for you? Well, how can I help? What can I do for you? And he said um, that he would love for her to pray for him. And so she said, what do you want me to pray for? Okay. Now keep in mind, he's about to share the thing that drove him thousands of miles from his home to spend three months with her ministry. This is the thing that he's been seeking, the thing that he's been praying for. He's been wanting to know, what am I supposed to do with my life? And so he actually says, I ask that you would pray that I would receive clarity that I would just have a clear picture of what it is that God's wanting to do in and through my life. You know what she said? No. She said, no, I'm not praying for that. I'm not going to do that. She said, clarity, listen to this. This is what has struck me. Listen, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. It's the last thing that we're holding on to. and It's the very thing that has to go. Which, is, which kind of like threw him for a loop because when he was talking with her, he said, when I look at your life, it seems like you've always had clarity about what God wants to, for your life. It seems like you've always been clear on where he's taking you and what he's wanting to do in and through your life. And she said to him, I've never had clarity. There isn't a day in my life I've had clarity, but what I have had is trust. Listen to that. I haven't had clarity a day in my life, but what I have had is trust. So she said, I will pray that you will trust God. See, this is is where I get stuck, right? I I get this anxious thought. I get these things that I feel like are on my lap and I keep waiting on God to give me clarity. All the time, he's waiting on me to give him trust. And the amazing thing about this is, as soon as I begin to trust him with it, as soon as I take my anxieties and turn them into prayers, as soon as I take the things of my life and I put them on him and I stay close to him and I ask him about these things, all of a sudden trust leads to clarity. But it's not the other way around. But listen, there's one more part of this passage that we have to understand before we move on. You know, when Paul says, I want you to pray about everything, don't be anxious about anything, pray about everything. He adds this part at the end. Do you remember this? What did he say? He said, with thanksgiving, I want you to pray about everything, all anxiety, all the weighty things in life, all the storms in your life, all the chaos in your life, all the joy-filled things in your life. He said, I want you to pray about all these things with thanksgiving. And if you're like me, you're going, how in the world are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to live thankful when we're carrying these things that seem impossible? And and here's what he's saying. He's saying that it is one possible and in fact necessary to pray from a thankful perspective. He's talking about how we see all of life. And the way I've been thinking about it lately is past, present, future. In the past, God showed up, didn't he? Think about the most difficult season of your life in the past didn't God show up and provide a way? Didn't he make something happen so that you were able to see things more clearly or provide a way out where you thought it was impossible when you look in the past. And so think about the present. If he did that in the past, won't he show up today? And in the future, won't he show up? He's God. He created all things. He holds all things. He is good and compassionate and he cares and he sees you and he knows what's coming. So trusting him with a thankful heart is possible, but more than that, it's necessary for us. It's absolutely necessary for us if we're going to receive peace. This is a huge part of it. And so even one of the things I've I've started doing, someone challenged me on this, like, what if you started every day with a thankful for list? So I list four things that I'm thankful for, and I just start going like, all right, God, thank you for my family. Thank you for this church that, I mean, how many of us have stopped and said, even though we can't gather face to face, we can gather like this. God, thank you that you've made this possible, that you set us up for this before we knew this was coming. You know, there's a a way to approach every day of life, thankful knowing that God is powerful and he will have his way and he will work in a way that seems impossible to us. But again, I get it. Many of us are going like, all right, I don't, I don't know how to do that. How am I supposed to be thankful when it's hurting? How am I supposed to have a thankful perspective or a thankful heart when it doesn't make sense? Um, I just recently read the book, um, The Hiding Place. It's the story of Corey Tinboom and her journey. And she and her family, they were a Dutch family living during the time of World War II. And they actually housed and rescued and hid Jewish people during the time where the Nazi regime was just sweeping across Europe. And so she and her family eventually got arrested and, and sent to different camps and, and were, you know, at some point her father died in one place. And it was just a, an incredibly tragic story. And at one point in her story, she shares this idea, uh, or not this idea. She shares this part of her story where she and her sister finally end up at the same camp together. So not having to do this alone, she finally gets to see her sister. And her sister's one of these people that are like, you're, have you ever met those people where you think they have to be from another place? There, there's something about them that is otherworldly, like the things of earth don't seem to bother them. That's how Corey's sister was. And Corey's sister said, Our Lord taught us to pray with thanksgiving. Looking at this passage, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer, supplication, make your requests known to God with thanksgiving. She said, This is how our Lord taught us. And so she told Corey, We need to start being thankful. And Corey's going like looking around at a concentration camp going, how are we going to be thankful here? And so they just began and they said, thank you that we have a roof over our head as opposed to being forced to sleep outside because there were moments where they had to do that. Thank you that um, they were able to get a Bible smuggled into them And even though they've been moved multiple times, they've been able to hold on to the word of God. So at night and in every place, they were able to gather a Bible study of some of the other, you know, captives in those camps and and continue to preach and eat the word of God and, and just satisfy their soul, even in those dark places. And so they said, thank you that we're able to still have the word. And there's a, in the dorm It was described as this like musty, nasty, flea infested dormitory. And she told her sister Corey, she said, Now we must thank God for the fleas. And Corey's like, I'm done. I'm not, (laughs) I am not thanking God for the fleas. And she said, This is what our command is pray with thanksgiving. And so Corey says, Okay, fine. God, thank you for the fleas. Well, one of the things that we realized from her story is that for weeks, there's this Bible study that's growing and growing and growing in this dorm, in this concentration camp, but, but the guards never come in. The guards never come in and, you know, take the Bible or, or send them apart from each other or do any of that. They're, they're completely free to do this Bible study. And they realize weeks later that none of the guards would come in to the dormitory because of the fleas. They were frightened of the fleas. And so they gave thanks that God used fleas to provide a place for them to grow closer to him in one of the darkest seasons and moments of their lives. And so they learned that this perspective of thanksgiving because of who God is, it makes sense. Pray with thanksgiving because that leads to peace. And as a church, we're going to jump into this. In fact, we're going to spend 21 days starting Monday, the 30th. We're going to spend 21 days in prayer. And and Monday night at 7 p.m., we're going to kick it off with a a worship night. We're going to send you a lot of information or a prayer night. We're going to give you that information. It starts at 7 o'clock. So, you know, kind of join in with that because we want to begin this time, 21 days of praying. Think about this. We've been planning this for a long time and it's happening right now when our world needs the church to gather and pray. We were planning on setting aside 21 days to be ready and praying for this. And so I wanna challenge you, jump in on this. If you don't know how to pray, you haven't made it a practice, we're gonna teach you how to do this. We're gonna challenge each other to walk in this because what we want to do is imagine if to our church, our entire church prayed for 21 days. Imagine what our church would be like. Imagine what our neighbors would be like. Imagine what you could see God do in 21 days in your family if you said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to present every anxious thought, everything that comes up in my life. I'm going to trust God with it. Imagine what could happen with that. All right. So we're going to be jumping into this um, and we'll give you more information on that in a little bit, but let's wrap this thing up. The the last verse they're gonna look at is verse seven. Here's what it says. When you present uh, all your anxious, don't be anxious about anything, pray about everything. When you do that with thanksgiving, here's what comes, ready? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Think about that, the peace of God. That's not a peace that comes because nothing else is going on. That's a peace that comes when chaos is going on. That is a peace that is directly tied to the presence of God himself in your life. A God who can rescue you in a storm, a God who can make things happen. The peace of God, his presence in your life does two things. So When you pray about everything with thanksgiving, here's what happens. God's peace is given as an exchange for your anxiety. Isn't that what you actually want? Isn't that what we all want? Some kind of peace in our life, regardless of what's going on? And God is saying, like, this is how you get there. Prayer leads to peace, and this peace does two things. One, it surpasses all understanding. So that means God's peace is productive. God's peace is productive. Here's how one commentary describes it. God's peace is able to produce exceedingly better results than human planning, or it is far superior than any person's schemes for security, right? It surpasses understanding. Listen, here's the last thing. It is more effective at removing anxiety than any intellectual effort or power of reasoning. It's productive. It does something in your life. It surpasses what you can do on your own. It surpasses your own understanding by putting your anxiety on God. His peace does something. It produces something in you. And here's another thing that it does. It is protective. God's peace is protective. It says that his peace will guard you. It will guard your mind. It will guard your heart in Christ Jesus. That is so huge. It is only because of the person of Jesus that peace is possible, okay? So don't miss that. But this peace of God in Christ Jesus. Guards your heart and your mind. That word used for guard, it's a military term. And again, in Philippi, there was a Roman garrison right there. And so they knew this word. They knew what this this picture it's, it's this God's peace is like a garrison of soldiers, which will keep guard over your thoughts, keep guard over your feelings so that they will be as safe against the assaults of worry and fear as in any fortress. His peace protects you. So here's the question, why? It, why it's not just stuff on the outside? Why do we need guarding? For our, because it's not just the stuff on the outside that we have to worry about, right? There, there are thoughts, there are feelings, there's that voice that you hear all the time. That's your voice in your head that you hear all the time. Those are some of the things that we need to guard against as well. And so here's the key question. And we're gonna wrap up with this in a Psalm. But the key question in my mind through all of this, is do you really trust that God is enough? Do you really trust that God can carry this? And do you really trust that he will take this and give you his peace? Do you really trust that he's enough? That's the key question. That's the question on the mind of David when he writes Psalm 42. And I want to encourage you, read the whole thing, but I want you to hear because this is A very similar situation that we're in. I'm just going to walk through it for a little bit, okay? Here's what it says. Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, okay? As a deer pants, like desperate for for living what? For streams of life. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? What he's saying is, David is saying, he's like, my soul is thirsty and I've been running after all kinds of other things in my life. And I have discovered that especially when life is hard, especially in seasons like this, nothing else is going to satisfy me. Nothing else I drink is going to bring satisfaction to my soul other than the person and presence of God himself. Like a deer pants for water. So I long and desire and run after you. That's where you are my source of living water. That's what I'm running after. But look what happens down further in the psalm. In verse 5, the psalmist says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why do I still have these moments of being cast down? Why am I in turmoil? What he's saying is, why do I have these moments in these times of being depressed? Why am I in turmoil? Why am I having these anxious thoughts, these anxious days because they keep coming back to me? He's saying, why do I do these things? Why do I experience these things? Here's the message that he says to himself. Here's the message you need to start preaching to yourself. Here's the message I need to start preaching to myself. Hope in God. Hope in him. He's the source that brings satisfaction to your thirsty and parched soul. Trust him, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. The only one who's gonna bring any hope of salvation in this mess, the only one who's gonna solve this, the only one who's gonna bring freedom and peace from anxiety is Jesus himself. So what is he saying? What is David saying? What is Paul saying? What is everybody saying? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. When when your soul thirsts, where do you turn? The living God who satisfies. When the storm comes, where do you set your eyes? Set your eyes on Jesus, our rock and our salvation. When everything is not going okay, when you feel the weight of anxiety coming down on you, what do you do? You pray. You give it all to God with thanksgiving. And his peace consumes you and it protects you and it guards you listen I want to invite you to think about what what some of these next steps might be for you you know we're gonna give you some things to think about but there's actually an opportunity right now if you want to pray because you're like I feel this is my life right here this is this is me I live every day like this and I don't know how to get out of this then you know you can actually on the screen there, you can go, hey, I want someone to pray for me and they will help you pray and bring these anxieties to God himself. And so we wanna invite you to do that. If there's a step that you need to take, maybe you've been thirsty for something, you've been longing, you know your soul is not satisfied and you've been searching for things and you're like, I haven't found that yet. Then what we wanna say is like, listen, you need to put your hope in Jesus You've been putting your hope in the wrong things. This is your chance to turn things around. So I'm gonna pray for you in a minute. And if you wanna take any step, you could just put the, click the button on the screen and chat with somebody who's hosting the service. But we want to pray with you and we're certainly praying for you. But let me pray for us now. Here we go. Father, we're so thankful for your grace. God, we're thankful that, that you are our hope that in times of crisis, in seasons of anxiety, in moments and days where we feel like we're carrying this thing by ourselves, you are always with us, you are always for us and willing to take on yourself the weight of things that we cannot carry. So God, teach us now how to take this step. Don't be anxious for anything, but pray about everything with thanksgiving because we long for your peace You are our hope and our salvation, Jesus. Help us to walk in that reality. We pray in your name. Amen.
1: Well, hey, friends, I just want to encourage you right now uh, to take a couple steps. We want you to engage with the people that are with you today. Or if you're alone, maybe you want to send a text uh, to a friend because we want you to engage in two questions this morning. You know, what do you find yourself anxious about right now? I mean, Harrison did such a good job to show us that that rock, that thing that we're holding on to. What what is that thing for you? And we want you to share that with the people that are around you. And if you don't have anybody that you can share that with right now, you know, you can go to the chat room and and talk about that thing. We would love to pray for you there. The second thing is, what does a life free of fear look like for you? You know, maybe you're sitting here thinking, man, this, this thing, like if I could just get rid of it, You know, man, we would love to talk to you about that. We would love to pray with you. But we ask that you would take time today. uh, Talk this over with your family. Talk it over with your friends. Man, as we close today, I just want to say thank you for joining us in our online service. I want to remind you uh, that tomorrow night at seven o'clock here on our online platform, we are offering the kickoff to 21 days of prayer. As we face the uncertainty of COVID-19, we want to take time each day to pray for each other, to pray for our families, to pray for our neighbors and our leaders. So we want you to join us on social media each day where we will post scripture and prayer points. We believe in the power of praying together as a community. So join us Monday night at seven as we petition for God's help in this stressful time. Friends, I'm so excited about what God is doing through our online services. And I just want to tell you, thank you so much for your faithful generosity. You know, in times like these, this is when our commitment to Jesus stands up and it's how we are able to make a difference in the world. So thank you for giving. We love you guys and we can't wait to see you again soon.